How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to the second edition of Joe vs. the World. My guest today is one of the funniest writers on the internet, a staple of the Observer site, the one and only Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? Oh, great to be here in the studio. I actually read that introduction. That was from the uh, F4W online site. That's what it says in the guest section. I really love that introduction. I don't know if I merited the little blurb they wrote about me there, but it won't stop me from being quite proud of it. Well, next to my name, it, it just says, regularly attends a variety of Northeast wrestling shows. <laughs> well, and it's true. And then it links to deathvalleydriver.com, which I have no affiliation with. It's a message board that <laughs> regularly posts about a variety of Northwestern indie shows. I guess. I guess that'll well, do. So between us, we have four appearances on that program. Yeah, we are veterans of the uh, internet radio wrestling game. Wow. Uh, do you ever find it funny that we were on the same show as, you know, like, actual professional wrestlers? Well, when I was on, I think I was just more of a warm body. Mm-hmm. That, that was back before they had, like, re- like really good guests every week. And and I, I, I was just a guy to fill space. It was the same era before they really took off. Yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, like, granted, we've made some fantastic posts to message boards. You bet. But uh, I... And, at the same time, I never really rated myself at the same stature as uh, as a disco inferno. <laughs> I never really put much thought into it, but um, you may be right. All right, I'm going to open with my standard question. Uh, what are you watching these days for wrestling? Well, as of late, uh, I tried TNA once again when they moved to Thursday, but I, that show really doesn't maintain my interest, so... Mm. Uh, Boringly, if that is an adjective, it would be just the WWE stuff at the moment. So you you do you, do you tape Raw and SmackDown and zip through them, or do you actually sit down on the couch every Monday and Friday and? I will. Um, I tape SmackDown and give that the zip effect, and um, I watch Raw in real time. Although I will, to be fair, maybe wait 15 minutes before watching Raw so I can give myself the freedom of a, a buffer if need be. It's, it's not uh, too much emphasis is placed on in Umaga in a segment, and I can <laughs> get out of jail free. I see. Well, what about the addition of uh, Buff Bagwell, Rick Steiner, and Lex Luger? Is that enough to get you back into uh, TNA, or is it just a lost cause at this point? It was. I I kind of enjoy an angle where they bring back a bunch of guys kind of as an inside joke. <laughs> But at the same time, like it's not like I sincerely doubt they showed up just just for a good uh, a good humorous angle. They all they're all paid. They all received significant TV time. I don't know if they will wrestle ever or appear again outside of um, outside of the one um, thing uh, whatever he's doing. I didn't actually watch that one. No, I didn't either. But. <laughs> I think we both understand the gist, but so just the fact that they are, uh, and w- what's really sad is the people uh, who have completely given themselves into the TNA cause and uh, have really gone behind them as, uh, like they think with positive message board posts, they're going to turn them into a viable number two promotion. Mm. Um so for them to have to, that's who I feel bad for is those people who have to somehow justify <laughs> using those guys. 
Well, it's always the old argument that you use old stars, and then when people tune in to see them, you build up your roster. But has that ever worked for any promotion ever? Um, WCW used old stars, and it worked for them, and then they forgot the second more important part where they eventually built up the roster. Yeah, the people usually forget part two of the plan. But anyway, speaking of Umaga... Sorry. Oh, that's quite all right. I was just going to get into backlash this uh, Sunday. You getting the show? Oh, right. yeah. Um, no. Oh, you're not. I'm going to get backlash. I was holding holding out for uh, Judgment Day in the event that they were going to do Angle Ray there, but uh, they are not. So I think I'm going to skip the rest of the spring. <laughs> so SummerSlam is what we're looking at, maybe. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm giving it until June. June will have the ECW show. Which That's very true. Investment, and uh, we'll see where they go from here. But I'll be really glad when Backlash is over uh, so we won't have to have any more jokes about God wrestling in a wrestling match like a professional wrestler. Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on the card. And I guess we'll start at the top with uh, with God as he teams up with Shawn Michaels against Vince and Shane. Uh, what are you thinking about this? Um, from a match standpoint, I have not thought a whole lot about it. Um, from a joke standpoint, I just wanted—I've had too much. Like we've heard them all, and you were very good. Yeah. I know that God only appears on pray per view. Oh. Religion or Shawn Michaels' partner is not going to be God, in fact, but the heavenly bodies, because God is God and He is from heaven. Things that I really want them to go away. Yeah. His partner is going to be not God, but Lord Stephen Regal, because God is referred to as our Lord. I see. I've had it. It It's reached critical mass, and it it needs to stop. uh, um, From a match standpoint, you figure, well, you would hope against them doing more of the special effects stuff, which. is fine, I guess, if you play it as someone uh, screwing with Vince, but i kind of not going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. You figure they like to be very creative, so they're just going to have the uh, random pyrotechnic displays and just credit it to God. So whether they'll keep that out of the match or not, they already did it on TV, so yeah. that'll play into it, and it'll be really dumb. Um, maybe... I don't know whether it will be more or less um, upsetting as the um, Kane hearing voices and so are we, but uh, on the level of that, uh, and probably Shane will take a big bump and Sean will keep up for his one spot that he still does. Yeah. So who knows? I'm kind of curious what they do here, but certainly not curious enough to, to plunk down $35. And my biggest concern is that is that isn't Shane? I mean, uh, isn't Shawn Michaels taking time off after this match or working a reduced schedule? The Shawn taking time off has kind of turned into the Triple H is going to go leave to film a movie. Oh yeah. Well, I'm just worried Vince is going to win and he's going to brag about how he kicked God's ass for like months on end, and that might be even more insufferable than any God jokes people come up with. It's uh, that's quite true. Um, uh, it could be an entertaining match because mm. they had, they're going to lay it out. They're going to get all the uh, gimmicks and whatnot. And they had a, a same entertaining match at Mania. But 
you know, it's it's just not something that I'm willing to uh yeah. Okay. World title match: John Cena versus Edge versus Triple H. Um, I like the dynamic between all those guys. I think I'm going to say the same thing everybody says, which is that I like it when they do the interviews, but I no longer care about the match now that we saw it in like four iterations over yeah. the last four weeks. I, mean, I think it'll be a good match, but uh, again, it's not the. Um, I, I don't know. You would think they'd have a good match, although Mania was kind of made by the crowd heat, and mm. it's not going to be the, I think, same kind of atmosphere there, but, um, you know, it won't be bad or anything. Yeah, I think it'll be fine, but there's no real outcome to the match that really interests me enough to invest in it. No matter who wins, it's just kind of, oh, oh well, maybe Edge has the most interest, but, mm-hmm. you know, if John Cena retains, great, if Triple H wins, whatever. The most compelling thing about it is who's going to win because the winner is going to wrestle Rob Van Dam. Yeah. Um, because, well, yesterday, uh, Wade Keller said JBL was going to wrestle RVD, but then moments ago, Meltzer said that uh, that is, in fact, not true. Mm. So it will be one of these three guys. So that's probably the most interesting part about it. Who do you think is going to go against RVD, and who do you think is going to uh, win that matchup? Um, yeah, it's a, before the um, before they announced the plans to bring it back, I just figured Rob would beat Hunter, and Hunter would um, get it back, and it's just another fun notch for him. But now uh, they have all their uh, grand, ambitious plans. I really couldn't even venture a guess. Hmm. If I had to, I guess I'd say, but it, I mean, it's not any great insight on my part. It's just based on the last thing I read in the Observer, which was Dave saying it will likely be Cena because um, Triple H wants to postpone his title. So I guess that's what I guess. Um, oh, I said I guess twice. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess that what I would guess is that Cena would win, and then whether. They'll shoot some kind of angle at the ECW show to split them off, and I don't know whether that entails Rob winning or not. Okay, I guess we'll see. I have really no idea what's coming, but we'll get to ECW in a little bit. But uh, next match, Shelton versus RVD. I think it's still Money in the Bank versus IC title. RVD actually beat Shelton on Monday, so kind of makes you wonder uh, if Shelton's going to win or they'll have RVD go over him twice. Yeah, I... They do this a lot, and it's dumb to book two guys when having a finish in the match would be counterproductive to what they're trying to do. Mm. You you book the match anyway. Um, Because they did this with Rob like three years ago when it was like SummerSlam title shot versus Intercontinental title, Rob against Brock Lesnar, mm. and they didn't want Brock to have the IC belt because he was going to win the world title, and they obviously didn't want Rob to beat Brock, so they just they booked the match anyway and had no finish. So if I was to guess, I was going to say the same thing would happen here. So best you can hope for is they'll have a, a good match leading up to a bad finish. Yeah. Uh, speaking of well, bad matches, we have Kane versus The Big Show next, and 
Oh boy, I don't even want to get into this one because I just say Kane's going to win because he has a movie coming out. And if he lost, people may not want to see his movie. What was the date of that movie, Joe? Oh, I don't know if I should say it, but I think it's May 19th. Don't, uh, oh, no. What have I done? blew your audio, but it was in an attempt to say <laughs> um, um, Big Show has the out with his eye now, which was a creepy-looking deal. Um, big, uh, and his hand probably still banged up from the December encounter with Triple H, so he's the walking wounded Big Show. Um I don't know. They could. Uh, don't know what kind of spots they'll work around him having one eye. But uh, <laughs> we can like be in his peripheral vision, but Big Show can't see him. And he will have to do um, like half a blindfold match, like Randy, where he points and has the crowd to tell him where to go. <sighs> That's how I would lay this one out. But mm. um, no, it, it'll be a bad match, and Kane will win or Kane will be disqualified for excessive brutality because he is a serial killer. <laughs> uh, speaking of bad matches, we have Carlito and Chris Masters next. Ooh, it's a long time coming, and uh, the anticipation for this one is palpably palpable, I think. Um, I don't think we'll see that on WWE.com. And, uh... <laughs> um, well... Carlito will win because he just turned, I think. Um, I think. You know, <laughs> um, and, or, well, I don't know. Who can really anticipate with these guys? But I assume he'll win or, and, because um, um, he's going to be the new push now. Well, they've always been trying with him, but um, I guess now they're semi-serious. So they'll probably get him, or Matt Stark will do something, or who cares. Yeah, I vote for the who cares. Uh, no matter who wins, you know, it, it's it's negligible. But mm-hmm. whatever, sometimes you just have to have a shitty, shitty match on a show, and uh, this will fill that role quite nicely. And you do. Yeah. And then Bill. All right, uh, Trish and Mickey again. I love this angle. And I love uh, both of them as performers in this angle. It's just, I, you wonder what's left to do after this match. Like, Trish can't win because then it would render, like, the previous six months pointless. It was all just for a one-month title switch. Mm. But Mickey wins. She has somebody else to defend against unless, like, they're going all the way with Candace is a Mr. Sexing baby face. So, and I don't think that's a great idea. So, really, I think the only uh, interesting facet they had left was dressing up with each other, but they ran through all of those in three weeks. So, I think it would have been kind of cool to see them uh, work the match looking at like one another, but instead I, we'll get, like, I think Mickey versus Mickey. Um, Twelve years after Taker versus Taker. Wow, which one would be the the better match out of those two? Um, I just Mickey and Trish got to like two stars, a little over two stars at Mania, so probably that one. Okay. All right, and last and least, we have Flair and Umaga. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. 
Um, <laughs> Blair will do a bunch of chops and sell, and then make a comeback with some more chops, and then he'll lose because he's Ric Flair. And he always loses. Yeah, this will be, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one match. Yeah, it will be a match on a show. And uh, with the um, July show is in Charlotte, I think? Yeah, that's what I've heard, so. Okay. So if you, if you really were going to do the feel-good story with Rick there, you would not have him losing to Umaga in April, but I don't know. If well, be... you'd think that, but who knows. Umaga, yeah. Uh, I wonder what Rosie thinks about all this. You have to feel bad for Rosie. He got they bring back um, Jamal, and then because they don't want anyone to know it's Jamal, they cut Rosie. If <laughs> Rosie was around, there would be evidence of his past life. That guy who uh, wore really shiny gangster. <laughs> Injured old people. <laughs> ah, the salad day is a three-minute warning. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that's backlash. Uh, how do you think it'll do for for buy rates? Do you think it'll tank, or think it'll Probably do? Probably be in the same threshold of really bad domestically, but from and then lifted up to respectable levels by all the international people. I don't get those international buyers. They think pay-per-view is like this amazing new candy. They have to have it no matter what. They um, will buy it regardless of you know who JBL is headlining against. It's a WWE pay-per-view. we got capabilities, so we, we have to lay our money down. I'm guessing if you're living in Paraguay, there's just not a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. So if you see a pay-per-view and you see Chris Masters and Carlito, you're like, hey, that's pretty exciting. It's wrestling, and you have to pay to view it. Yeah. So, what could be better than that? I can, yeah, it'll be like, the world title is being defended. In there you match. go. In a match. I have to get this. In a match for the world title. So, um, so, yeah, they'll prop it up, and they'll continue to buy things uh, every show for, I don't know, for a, a while, and then eventually, if the show's aren't so good, they'll stop, theoretically, but that point has not arrived yet. I don't know what you'd have to offer to to uh, get these people to not buy. Would you need, like, Umaga and an Iron Man match? Or, like... That is a uh, fascinating booking theory. Uh, what would it take to get international buyers to not buy? Because they buy everything. Yeah. So, um, I have a feeling we'll find out in the coming uh, months and years, but... We'll find out I guess the answer is whatever TNA is putting out. They're not interested in that. No. No, no, no. Well, uh, next topic, ECW is coming back, uh, sort of. It sounds like it's going to be taped before SmackDown, which is a a wretched idea, and looks like it's taking over Velocity and being an Internet-only show. What are you thinking about this? I, I don't even know. Until it plays out, we've seen them... Well, we haven't seen them. We've read the concept of eventually seeing the idea of them running a separate promotion as a separate entity. Mm. Um, back in 2001 when they were setting up the Shane Presents WCW. And I, so I don't know in execution how they would in fact execute it, but and I'm highly skeptical at the moment. 
I, I like the fact that it's interesting and different and will be something noteworthy to pay attention to. But as a concept, I have uh, no idea how uh, or what our expectations should be. Yeah, they they really have to not tape it in front of SmackDown. It, it doesn't matter if they tape four shows in one day, like do a month's worth of tapings in one day in a small arena. They, I mean, the SmackDown thing is just going to kill it. And, and um, I mean, the idea and concept, if you mix some old ECW guys with some newer talent and, you know, just let them run wild, that's that has potential, I think. But, I don't know, I, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul is a smart dude and all, and he has creative ideas. But how this is supposed to fly, um, like, well, we'll find out, I suppose. Although the one thing is, um, it makes the ECW two-night stand long-term relationship more like Joe, um, a lot more interesting because uh, before the announcement of bringing them back, I was kind of thought it was pretty pointless to have this show, and there was no real allure to it, and other than bring back everybody last year, minus a few guys, so, plus Terry Funk, plus Nick Foley in a match. Yeah. So now that, now that they have to shoot some angle to start them as apparently a separate entity, it should be a lot more interesting. I guess we'll see. I wonder if we'll see, I wonder if we'll see like the Baldies back or the Prodigy or all the real bottom of the barrel ECW guys you don't hear about anymore. They need someone to replace... The three Dudleys and Rhino. Yeah. And um, whoever else is signed with TNA in the interim. Um, so they're going to have to scrape somewhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's going to be a wellness policy for ECW. <laughs> the, fa- <laughs> the wellness is like the new haircut joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, like three years ago, the... Um, fun joke to make about WWE was um, so-and-so is going to have to get a haircut and mm. make someone get a haircut. I got, in fact, I myself got my WWE mandated haircut today. That's true. We had to schedule this around your haircut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm actually feeling pretty good about it. Um, I got the, I had some for the Chris Jericho 2005 haircut. Oh. Back, showed him a picture and he pulled it off because uh, I used my wrestling acumen for um, productive uh, benefits to myself. Like some people are a little too into it and try and pick up girls at bars by spitting apples in their faces, but not me. I um, I try to put it wow. in you. But um, what was I talking? Oh, the haircut. Right? Yeah, haircuts. So, 2003, the joke was everybody with long hair is gonna have to get a haircut. Um, test Christian, mm. gonna have to get a haircut. Edge and Jericho, they're going to want to cut their hair, even though they never did. Well, they got actually went from the long hair to the slightly sneaker look, which I approve of. But um, the 2003, the joke was, WWE is weird and dumb, and they're going to make people cut their hair. So now the joke is WWE has a wellness policy, which is really bad and not very strict, and the wrestlers are going to die. <laughs> Because WWE doesn't care about them. Mm. Although, that's the, uh, so, um, the ECW guys is the latest joke for the wellness policy. I'm not condemning you for making it because it's a very valid and excellent joke. That's true. I just wonder who's going to make Sabu pee in a cup or 
if you'd even bother with the Sandman, would you just cut him? As soon as he signs his contract, just kick him out. I envision Sandman at, uh, have you ever, ever in your life, Joe, been in a, um, a restroom at a stadium for a sporting event, and then everybody waiting in line makes the same great joke, which is, uh, beer is really expensive, and I have to pee it out so quickly, so I wish I didn't have to, or something like that. I've heard some variation of that, probably a little better told, but, uh... It's, <laughs> it's a classic, but, um, so you, you envision Sandman taking his urine test and making the same comment. I could definitely see that. I could see him smoking while he's uh, mm-hmm. taking his test, and he has to put down his Singapore cane, and he just drops that his would, pants in the waiting room. That would be um, a good vignette for the initial VCW <laughs> show. On our culture, they are. Is that we are so so extreme that we smoke cigarettes during our wellness policy examination. That actually would be tremendous, but I don't think they'd do it. Unlikely. Oh, well. So now for the the juice of today's interview, let's talk about global wrestling. Yeah. GWF, because when, when I had posted uh, about the show on a message board, it, it it turned into a talk about global wrestling and everyone reminiscing about it. So, what, what do you what do you remember of global wrestling on uh, ESPN? Well, it's funny how I said, why not talk about global wrestling? We you post about it on the message board, and people chimed in, were like, global. I remember. Something about the GWF. Yeah. But, um, well, I think a lot of people our age, like, really distinctly remember it because when you're young and you like wrestling, any wrestling on TV was a great thing. Oh, yeah. And, um, because what would be better to watch than more wrestling? <laughs> so, and Global's on ESPN at, in the afternoon after school, I think, like, 4 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so... But since national expansion, like how many companies have been on national TV besides mm. WWF and uh, WCW? Um, like, is it unless I'm missing something obvious? It would be Global and TNA and ECW. Is there? I'm trying to think. No, I don't think Women of Wrestling counts or uh, Wow or whatever. That'd be the closest, I guess. I guess. But, um, so. Yeah, there was wrestling on TV, and it had um, wrestlers there. Cactus Jack, I think, was there briefly. Yep. Um, and who would you say the biggest star to come out of Global was? Um, I guess uh, Sean Waltman was there as a Lightning Kid. Yeah. Sean Waltman would be the or Raven was there, and Booker T was there. So depending on how you adjudicate their particular star powers, they'd be the biggest star to come out of it, I guess. There were a lot of guys. There was Jerry Lynn, uh, I think Bad News Brown was there for a while. Bradshaw, I think, got started down there. Oh, well, yeah, because they there were two globals. There was the first one when um, they had the money um, <laughs> that they snookered people out of, which, um, and then there was a later day GWF, and they just had um, whatever Texas and USWA guys, they could scrounge up. Yeah. And that's when you got the Bill Irwins and Billy Bradshaw and things like that. But Marcus Bagwell was there. Handsome Stranger. There. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, Harlem Heat wrestled as like something really over the top about that this was a pair of black men. Was so it the like, Ebony Experience? Oh, I'm glad you said that because I was about to venture the guess of the Negro Connection. <laughs> 
I think they had the Blackbirds there too, another team of black men. Oh yeah, they um, didn't they feud about both being black? (laughs) I don't remember this. Can't recall, but um, yeah. So what's great about Global from like an after the fact insider standpoint now that you and I are self-aware wrestling experts mm-hmm. I think two really funny things in retrospect about them um, one is their, the fact that the promoter, you know the, the email spam that's a cliche by this point about the rich Nigerian guy who wants to let you share his fortune if you give him uh, money to um, I, I don't know how it works but yeah. you know for sure. He wants to send you all the money if you give him some money to let him emancipate or whatever. <laughs> yes. Well, Joe Pettacino, or Pettacino, yeah, Pettacino, the promoter for Global, apparently he is the inventor of this nefarious scheme. Really? Because that, his money mark claim, I believe, was that some Nigerian guy gave him $25 million to promote wrestling. So... And he took that claim to to ESPN and was able to get their um, TV deal. So, wow. Uh, and that was a good 12, yeah, 12 years before it propagated the Internet. So wow. in that respect, he was a visionary. But, was, um, oh, was Global Wrestling on every day? I can't remember this. Mm, Did they have a new show every day or was it once a week? Yeah, it seemed... Like that'd be a lot of taping. Yeah. Or, uh, or I remember it being, uh, or maybe just three days a week. Mm. I'm confusing it in some regard with the Super Mario Brothers cartoon. <laughs> four days of Mario, and then on Friday you'd get a Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure like, the internet would be able to tell you for sure. But I remember it being on multiple times per week at least. Yeah, the best thing about Global was they they tried to present themselves as being truly global. The Sportatorium was the Global Dome. They had offices in Barcelona they talked about and I remember they had like like an English tag team they made up had to give up the the belts cuz they got into an accident on the autobahn and <laughs> just completely ridiculous stuff that I would certainly not fly these days, but back then you were like, "Oh, well, okay." It's a fantastic concept to be over the entire globe. Like, WWE had the word world in their title. Yeah. World is only a blanket statement, and it doesn't guarantee that it's airing over the entire globe. Mm. I think the implication in World Wrestling Federation is that only that they have jurisdiction over all of the intercontinents, but global, in fact span the entire globe, hence the name. Yeah. And because of the international influence of the Nigerian backer. Now, now your big memory of Global was the bungee match. What, what, I don't remember this. What was this? You, if you saw it, I think it would be tough to forget. I'm sure I would take it to my grave if I had seen it, but I, I, I did not. It was one of the all-time best and worst ideas for a gimmick <laughs> match that you can envision. Um... Shall I set the stage for you? Please do. Okay. Well, all right. There's this guy. He was a wrestler, a professional wrestler named Chaz. I remember Chaz. He had tiny pants. Yes. Even as a yeah. kid, I'm like, those those shorts are way too small. But 
Please go on. Jazz was apropos in that case <laughs> because he looked and wrestled like a boy who would be named Chaz. Yeah. But, okay, he was feuding with a Stephen Dane. Okay. Okay. And they were um, had a, a um, very intense rivalry of wrestling each other in matches and um, trading wins back and forth. And so Stephen Dane was striving to beat Chaz. He wanted every advantage. So jackpot. One day, Stephen Dane learned Chaz's greatest weakness. Chaz was afraid of heights, Joe. <laughs> he was afraid of heights. So to capitalize on this, um, he challenged Chaz to a bungee match. And um, being a babyface, Chaz... Uh, despite his fear of heights, had no choice but to accept. So the bungee match was on. And um, this is all from memory, so the details can be off. But the concept, I assure you, was very real. It was um, it was like a scaffold match. It was outside the uh, building, I believe. And like a scaffold match, only higher and with rope. Okay. So the two guys went up on a really high platform, with bungee cords attached to them. And so the object was to defeat your opponent by uh, safely knocking him off the scaffold into an exciting, painless experience. But the humiliation of being tossed bungee uh, is would be uh, suitable to blow off the dispute. But, um, so yeah, they both went up on the scaffold with bungees attached, and... Um, they briefly scuffled because it's, you know, really dangerous to be doing a match at like 40 feet in the air. That's true. And you can't do anything because if you knock the bungee off and then still have to go to the finish because you're, you know, you can't expose the business. So, <laughs> uh, somebody has to take that fall. And uh, I believe the outcome was Chaz, in fact, uh, overcoming his fear of heights to be victorious. Uh, yeah, to be victorious in this match. That does sound like an interesting idea and, and completely hideous at the exact same time. I'm very sad I never saw this. I would remember this had I seen it. It was um, quite the concept. Uh, I believe it's the only one that's ever taken place. Um, you would think during like that bad TNA period where um, the weekly pay-per-views were oh, yes. recycled, um, any previous idea for a gimmick match, regardless of whether it was good or not, this would have come up, but... Uh, because of Global's relatively low visibility. Yeah. Uh, it didn't, um, the idea didn't stick around, despite the um, novelty of it. I mean, is climbing across a cable to retrieve an, a big X any any goofier than a, a bungee match? I say no. You're right. What is the ultimate X match, if not the 21st century evolution of the bungee match? The bungee match going sideways. Yeah. That's total nonstop action. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just remember from Global where they had the big tag tournament, and they had a they had like sixteen teams, and they didn't really have a lot of official teams, so they just you know bunched guys together. And I remember one team; it was Bad News Brown and Big Bully Buswick, for those of you who remember him, which is probably no one. But and I'm like, why would Bad News Brown team up with his with his white dude? Why would he team up with anyone? That that upset me, even when I was like 11 years old when this was on. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. 
Well, um, they do have a lot in common because they like being jerks to people. <laughs> so they found some common ground. But um, yes, exactly. They were they were like minded, but if Big Bully Busick would have watched his tapes, he would have known that Bad News Brown is a terrible partner, having walked out on consecutive Survivor Series teams. Eighty-eight and eighty-nine. Indeed. So um, they didn't win the tournament, if I recall correctly. Uh, no, they did not. Okay. I'll have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure they didn't. Yep. Yeah. So that was global. And I have I have one more topic today, and this is kind of this is just something I just felt like. Do you do you remember vividly the the Sergeant Slaughter angle from 1990-91, where he was the Iraqi traitor and all that? Sure. This was I think maybe the worst angle ever. <laughs> Rewatching this stuff, not only was it really you know insensitive to use a war to push pro wrestling, but it made no. Did it? Did they ever really explain why Sergeant Slaughter, who was in the army, had his own GI Joe action figure, yeah. suddenly decided, you know what? I'm not down with America. Iraq is where it's at. That's where I'm going. Was that? Um, did they just say he went nuts, or or what happened? That was like um, my earliest uh, memory of wrestling would be when that angle started, because that was when I first started watching. Was '91. Hell of a way to start. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what caused Sergeant Slaughter to um, find uh, find himself wanting to sympathize with Iraq. Um, I know I thought his actions were uncalled for, but um, <laughs> I didn't really have a great moral compass at that time, so it didn't strike me just how wrong it is. Yeah. But um, like nowadays, it's clearly... Actually, what it, it's useful as is a barometer because for the last 15 years, I think it was far away, far and away, like the most despicable angle that they've run mm. until they used Eddie's death, uh, would finally have um, unseated that from its throne. So from a, a historical standpoint, those two and um, the Undertaker beheading would probably be like the Hall of Fame uh, observer, most disgusting emotional <laughs> tactic award winners. Like, they could name the award after those. Yeah. And, um, but it really makes you long for a time when um, the most disgusting promotional tactic that would occur in a given year was in 81 or 80 or whatever when the winner was um, the claim that some wrestler was made in a laboratory. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't one of those like Bob Backlund is world champ was like the most disgusting oh. tactic in like 1980? It was incredibly offensive to have a nice young man. <laughs> oh, I guess that's, that's a different time. That's how we lost all our innocence apparently in the three years prior to my birth. Was in '79 it was offensive that Bob Backlund was um, the world champion. Yeah, this was upsetting. Later, a year later, it was simply um, a major slap in the face that LaBelle promotion (laughs) claimed that the monster was built in a laboratory. Now, um, 25 (laughs) years later, it's uh, using a dead wrestler and Al-Qaeda for heat for angles. Yeah. But what bothers me about Sergeant Slaughter is something that's kind of uh, come back around 
to the relevance like the um, the Eddie death is when you have heels who do unspeakably evil acts, and mm-hmm. then they turn back babyface. So, in, like, they have that weighing on their conscience and as part of their character for the rest of their career. Like, Jordan <laughs> Slaughter defected to Iraq, a country yeah. who is at war with us, and um, a people who slaughtered innocents and um, things of that nature and dictated. And then something like six months after his feud with Hogan was over, he turned face. I actually remember. I remember they had a match at SummerSlam where this was funny. It was a handicap match. It was on one side you had Hulk Hogan in the Ultimate Warrior against Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa, mm-hmm. who had a combined age of like 150 years old, and they supposedly had some humongous advantage. And then like a month after that match, you see Sergeant Slaughter on TV. He's blubbering, "I want my country back." And I think by Survivor Series, he was teaming up with Jim Duggan. So and like. It was like a three-month swing where he's like, you know what? Oops, I made a mistake. A two-month turnaround. He yeah. Politely for his country back, and he was acquiesced. And they were just like, well, all right. You know. Yeah. They're like, oh, sure, why not? It, it, it really irks me from a um, character standpoint when you do these horrible, horrible things um, because nobody can get heel heat, so you mm. have to up the ante and do really outrageous stuff. And then, like, Randy Orton made fun of Eddie Guerrero for being dead. Yeah. He, that's something he did on television. And eventually, he's going to be a face again, because everybody ends up turning back and forth no matter what. So, yep. Hunter, Hunter always has to find something new, and he's going to turn back again. He, he, like, ran over Steve Austin with a car, and um, turn face despite doing that. Yeah, um, back in the day, you didn't you didn't turn that much. Like when Rick Martel became the model, you know, he wasn't teaming with Tito Santana again next year. That was like a like a five year run. He was a the, the model. So, yep. I don't know. Really, if if Strike Force emerged on the scene at the same time the Hardy Boys did, like they wouldn't have had their run and then broken up and then stayed heels. And then we would have rekindled their rivalry every Royal Rumble when mm. Joe Santana <laughs> ran in and went right after Rick Martel because of the bad blood. Yeah. If they came in 99, they would have broken them up in 2000 and turned Rick Martel heel to go with them as a heel. And then they would have teased putting them together a year later but had uh, Rick Martel turn on him again because he's a dick. And then another year later, they would have Rick Martel turn face and get along with Tito for no reason, and uh, it would go on from there. Yeah, I just remember when I was watching the Bret Hart DVD, I was like, okay, the Hart Foundation was together for five and a half years mm-hmm. as a team. And you look at like like Lance Cade and, and Trevor Murdoch, they were together for like five and a half weeks. Yep. They, they teamed up, they won the tag titles, lost them, then broke up. Yep. In about a month span, and one of the more successful runs in the last year, <laughs> after in the build-up uh, vignettes they got. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Lance Kate. He was supposed to be right before he got hurt um, in 2004 that summer. They said they were going to give him a Shawn Michaels imitator gimmick, and he would be called HB Cade. 
and then he got hurt, and that was scrapped. So he went from that to, like, sexually ambiguous cowboy with a fat guy. Some detractors might accuse Shawn Michaels of being regardless, but at the same time, it represents a big change in stature. Maybe that could have been the most disgusting promotional tactic. uh... I was disgusted. Okay. Well, that's about all I had to discuss. Unless there's anything else you want to... uh... I already uh, perverted your half-hour-long threshold, it looks like. Well, uh, things are going good. I wasn't going to slam the door. That would have been been counterproductive, I think. Yeah, we talked about global in audio form. Yeah. We, I believe, uh, are the first of many internet audio shows to cover the global topic. I think so. I, oh, I remember my other favorite global thing. I'll talk oh, what's you. that? Please tell me. Um, do you remember, perchance, um, the GWF wrestler when the guy named Terry Garvin, who there's an angle where one week, like out of the blue, he had a promo and he decided he was going to stop living a lie and would return to his heritage and uh, wrestle under his real name of Terry Sims. No, I don't remember this. Uh, well, it always struck me as curious just because, you know, it sounds so weird. Yeah. There's some guy who wrestles as Terry Garvin, and then one week he's like, that Terry Garvin thing is not working, so I'm going to go by Terry Sims. <laughs> but, um, so it's another thing that years later when we get self-aware as wrestling fans and become uh, inside follower, blah, 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 whatever. So you realize the reason that happened in, like, late 91 or early 92, it all makes sense, is he was wrestling as Terry Garvin at the same time that the WWF Terry Garvin was involved in, like, a pedophilia scandal. (laughs) Oops. Well, he was just having... I don't know, well... I don't know if that would qualify. It was a sex scandal. I don't know if pedophilia counts, but it was not something you want to be associated with. It was a scandal of sexual nature. There you go. Not pedophilia. I should amend that statement, being that we are um, the pioneers covering this issue. Mm. um, Yeah, so Terry Garvin became Terry Sims in Global because at the same time Terry Garvin was in the WWF sex Really? I, I remember Global. They would have, like... Didn't they give away, like, inside information? Not like, but they... I, I was actually watching some Global this morning. I had an old DVD lying around. And I just remember they were talking about, like, you know, other promotions and talking about Jushin Liger and stuff like that. I'm surprised they wouldn't bring that up. Well, I guess that's not something you can bring up, but it just seems strange when you... We won't mention that. Well, I guess... It, it, I don't know if ESPN would be down with that. <laughs> um... Yeah, I definitely remember those segments. They were, it was like, because um, at the time, wrestling hotlines were a um, a treasure trove of incredible information, or so we would yeah. from the few experience I had with them, not really. So I could never get my parents' permission, so I never... Me neither, which was a requisite. <laughs> yes. But, um, so the fact that Global was giving away the farm for free on their TV was always intriguing. Hmm. You have a global DVD? Is it just kind of, it's just something somebody made? Yeah, just something, just some old man. I saw, like, there were a lot of awesome mullets in global back then. <laughs> Primetime Brian Lee has just a, a five-star mullet, and even a ref had, like, a perm mullet, and it was in the fans, and, oh, it was 
what a what a wonderful time for wrestling haircuts. <laughs> That's a, a I do have a tough time enjoying like rockers matches. <laughs> for two heart throbs, um, I think they should have better haircuts. Haircuts like my current haircut. There you go. But well. uh, it also ruins the like 1990-91 Pittsburgh Penguins Stanley Cup video retrospective. <laughs> They're also a team of mulleted Canadians. Check. Yes. But uh, now I've really taken you uh, outside your purview. Uh, you're probably right. We should probably wrap things up. So, are we going to say anything on the Observer website uh, anytime soon? It's uh, hard to anticipate. I would think uh, I might be called into duty during finals week. But ah, I yes. Can't that. I oh. don't want to upset any of the Todd's following, though. He has. There's certain traditional fans, as we refer to them, uh, when they get food. Traditional fans. Certain traditional fans have it out for me. But um, there are also some very kind people. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's possible in May I might be writing something. Well, that's good. Well, those traditional fans, they're not with it. They don't, they don't get it. Mm-mm. I don't know what their problem is, but, well. There's sticks located in the mud. Yes. All right, well, I want to thank you very much for being on. I had a lot of fun today. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on. It was my pleasure and a half. Oh, good. Uh, please join us next week for number three. We should have Vincent Verhey on if we can schedule this to talk about wrestling, his wrestling career, uh, plenty of other stuff. should be a fun show. And if you want to get in touch with me, please email me, joegagney at charter.net. Uh, again, thank you very much, Justin. Any final words? Mm, thanks. Okay, great. And uh, I'm going to leave you, let you go, and we'll talk to you soon.